0: Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad that you have made the connection and are with us today. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and what a deeply challenging week we've had. Now, more than ever, we need to find ways to get connected and elevate our voices. My co-host and co-producer today is Melissa Stanton-Adams, who is the president and executive director of the Stanton-Adams Diversity Institute. Welcome, Melissa. Thank you for joining me today. And Melissa, uh, thank you for joining me today. Thank you, and I'm happy to be here. So together, we're going to be asking uh, our, our audience today to call in so that we can all process together the issues of justice. And we're going to be opening up the phone lines for us to just talk about it together. Our number here is 952-946-6205. Again, that number is 952-946-6205. And the first steps against racism is being willing to have the conversation, to use our voices to make a stand. Melissa, it's been a tough week. Yes, how are it has. You, How are you doing?
1: I'm hanging in there, you know. Um, I was trying to figure out how I feel about this whole um, between the George Floyd trial, the shooting of um, Dante Wright, and the the civil unrest that ensued afterwards, and then we're seeing more footage coming out of others who've been um whose lives have been taken by the police and it starts to um weigh on you and i think i've been dealing with this my whole life i've been seeing this my whole life and i've become apathetic a bit that this is the way the lives of black people are in america and people are not fighting for us to live people are not fighting for us the way they should be. and it, it also kind of brought to me, Lori, you know that I do a lot of this work um, in my business, and a lot of people who are white are really, really surprised. Oh, my God, after George Floyd, how could someone else get killed by the police in Minneapolis, no less, or in Minnesota, no less? And people of color are like, yeah, here we go again. This is our story. This is what happens to us. And until someone gives a damn, we're gonna end up seeing more people killed by the police. And this is happening on a daily basis now. Yeah.
0: Well there's there's research. I, I got a little angry at someone who posted in Facebook, um, and it's a friend of mine, and it was a heartfelt message uh from a friend of mine. He was my uh biology lab partner, you know, in high school wonderful african american man and he was really giving a heartfelt you know how he how he was dealing with the challenge of yet another person that was killed and a, a mutual friend said you know it's it's really just a media hype there's more white people that get killed than than black people and it it's just a media hype we should talk about that too i was like that's just wrong it's just factually wrong And so I I pulled up an article and I responded by putting this on, not saying anything else just for right now. I just needed to have the research out there. You know, over-the-life course, about one in every thousand black men can expect to be killed by the police. Risk of being killed by the police peaks between the ages of 20 and 35 for men and women of all racial and ethnic groups, black women and men and American Indian and Alaska Native women are significantly more likely than white women and men to be killed by the police. Latino men are also more likely to be killed by the police. For young men of color, police use of force is among the leading causes of death. Risk is highest for black men, who at the current level's risk face about a 1 in 1,000 chance of being killed by the police over the life course. That's about twice the average odds of being killed by the police for all men. And the risk, you know, it peaks between 20 and 35. But police in the United States kills far more people than, uh, than do police in other advanced industrial ma- uh, democracies. So all over the world, we're the worst. And it shows that people of color, especially African-Americans, are at greater risk for experiencing criminal injustice. So it calls for police you – know, calls for how to change police violence is really a public health issue as well as a, a challenge in our democracy. And, and, and when we've talked about this and I do get angry, you know, you've mentioned your own challenge of apathy and it kind of hit me. It's like it's almost a privilege to get angry. We, it, 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 yeah. we have the privilege to be angry. So why aren't more white people getting angry about this? And and I know that we have an audience mem- audience out there that, that has a heart for this. And, and I'd love to talk with anyone who wants to call in about this. It's 952-946-6205. Um, we need to use our voice to make a difference.
1: And, you know, Lori, you mentioned something about um, the number of black men killed. Yes. The number of black men killed by police between... Now and when George Floyd was killed is a long list. Yeah. And if you don't mind, I'd like to read that list.
0: To oh, please do. Please do.
1: So think about it. George Floyd was killed in um, May. Of May 25th of 2020, before George Floyd was killed, Breonna Taylor was killed um, in March, March 13th, then of 2020, then George Floyd, May 25th, 2020. Then Tony McDade shot May 27th, 2020. David, uh, David McAtee shot in June, 2020. Carlos Carson was shot in uh, June, 2020. Richard Brooks shot June, 2020. Dijon Kizzy shot August, 2020 jonathan duane price was tasered and shot october 2020. marcellus stanette was shot october 2020. sincere pierce shot november 2020. angelo croons shot november 2020. casey goodson shot december 2020. andre hill shot december 2020. angelo quinto knee on necks on neck asphyxiated the same way George Floyd died December 2020 Vincent Belmont shot January 2021 Patrick Warren shot January 2021 Marvin Scott shot pepper sprayed and restrained with a spit hood and asphyxiated March 2021 Adam Toledo 13 years old shot in the chest by police in March 2021 and then Dante Wright killed by police April 2021. This list is too long.
0: It's overwhelming. Just overwhelming. The 13- Once a month. Oh.
1: Someone was once or twice or three times a month people were getting killed by police.
0: Both the shooting uh, This last week of Dante and then seeing the video from March of of Adam, Uh, just – I mean how do you process that? I mean how how do you process seeing a child putting their hands up – I mean a child, a 13-year-old putting their hands up and nothing in their hands and then knowing that they were shot in the chest? What what have we come to that, that children are being shot? Right. What, where's As our the where's point. the humanity? Where's right. our, where's our moral compass? What is the fear? Yes. There were shots that fired. He came into a situation where shots were being fired. But he was the child was asked by the policeman to turn around and put his hands up. The child complied. Hel- help help yeah. help me that you can't decide not to shoot. Not And you know
1: Laurie, the part that that really makes me angry is that as soon as a police officer kills someone we need to figure out what that person has done wrong in their lifetime in order for it to be okay for us to talk about dante wright shooting and say oh he shouldn't have struggled with the police and he shouldn't have did this and he shouldn't have done that why aren't we saying the police shouldn't have pulled out the taser The the police officer shouldn't have um, tried to arrest Dante. They should have told him, hey, you got a slap on the wrist, get home.
0: Right. Well, And, 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 and how far home? Where, where him is him. he going to go? They know where he lives. And this is a misdemeanor. Right. And help me understand that a woman could get confused between a yellow taser right in front of her face and a Glock. Right. I, I'm having a hard time. I could see, because it was on the video and it was right in front of me. I mean, if a person can't tell the difference between a taser and a Glock should they be on the police force?
1: I find issue, I take issue with the fact that she said she thought she was using her taser because I've used the gun before at a gun range. And in order to shoot a gun, you need to take the safety off. Yeah. So in order for her to say it was the taser, does the taser have a safety in the same exact spot as a gun? No. (laughs) Right. It just doesn't. Right. So I think there was some mistakes on her part, and one of them was pulling the gun out. But I always tell people when it comes to unconscious bias, you are not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your second thought.
0: And your Your actions. And your actions. actions. you got to own your actions. Her first thought
1: was, let me pull out the taser. And then use – the second thought is let me use it. Right. But you should have at least paused for a second between let me pull this out and let me use it.
0: Well, what was strange from the very first time that I saw the video, I was taken aback because it looked like the two gentlemen that were – the two, two policemen that were handling it were doing fine. Why did she feel like she needed to insert herself? That 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 boggled me. What, what was that all about? Why did she feel she needed to do it? He, he was in compliance until she came and started grabbing his arm. I mean, that yeah. that seemed odd to me. You know?
1: And, you know, Lori, I was telling someone else. You think about it. If you get arrested in America today, that can have great, a great deal of ramifications for you and your family. So here's my example. Let's say this young man does get arrested, and he works somewhere. If he gets arrested, he's going to miss work the next day. You're not going to get out of jail until Mm -hmm. they take this thing and and get it straightened out. So you're going to lose work. And when you get out of jail, if you're living in public housing, you can lose your housing because you're not allowed to have a felony or any kind of police contact if you're in in public housing. When people are in situations with the police and the police stop you and as soon as you see they're getting ready to put those handcuffs on, the first instinct is to try and negotiate your way out of that and say, wait, listen to me, please just listen to me. We don't need to go there with the handcuffs Mm -hmm. because people know once you get those handcuffs put on you, you lose your right to vote. You can lose your job. You can lose your housing. And it's so this, people, and,
0: and to not understand that that's a fight-or-flight instinct.
1: Response, yeah.
0: And with that fight-or-flight, it is the law enforcement's responsibility to de-escalate, <laughs> not escalate. Well,
1: I don't even think they give these folks de-escalation training.
0: I, I don't know if they do or not. I'm not even sure that training with some of these folks – I mean with Chauvin – he just should never have been an officer in my mind. I mean, this is a person that just had to demonstrate power and control in every situation. No matter how much training, do you think Chauvin, you know, would have done anything different because it was more of his need to show that he was powerful? And, right. And, and so— And it,
1: let me tell you something. That's why many of them grab uh, a job on the force.
0: About because power there's and control. an
1: opportunity. Right. There's an opportunity here to be have power and control over others. But my problem is, if you are the only person in the situation with a gun, the police officer, you're the only person in the situation with a gun. So you have all the power. Why are you needing to exert extra power by grabbing me, throwing me on the ground, and putting your knee on someone's neck? You know, people are already afraid of the police. There's no need for
0: that. Uh, I, I've, I found this also that I thought really hit home about when people say, well, what is systemic racism? I mean, I mean what, what does that really mean? And um, Eliana Shania wrote this. System, systemic racism looks like being slapped with a misdemeanor as a teen for smoking weed. Not being able to afford your fine. So it's sent to collections. From collections, it becomes a warrant. From a warrant, it becomes a murder after a pretextual stop. And then your murder is labeled an accident. Every step of the way. Now, there's one other thing that she missed, and that is the reason it was stopped was because of the um, the oh, tags. Hell, right? Well, we're during COVID. Everyone else is like, yeah, things get delayed. But why is there an assumption? Wait a minute. There's something wrong here because the tags are off and we better find out. We better see if this person has a warrant, has something out for them. Why is that what people tumble to? Right. And would they they pull that person over and say, yeah, you know, your tags, you better make sure that you get those. Why did it get escalated to this level?
1: Right. Because think about it. If he was white, would they have gone through all of that? I also like the example that white supremacy is asking a black man to comply with the police officer's orders so that they don't get shot is the same as asking a woman to be careful what she wears so she doesn't get raped. I really like that analogy because that's what we've been doing we've been telling people well if the poli- like like think about it when when the gentleman who got on the stand i respect him so much the older gentleman and he started crying and he uh told he was the first person on the scene and he was telling george floyd just comply just comply and and and, and it'll go away that is what we all think but when you're in that situation and you know you can kind of tell that the officers are either going to be good with you and allow you to um, respect and dignity that you deserve, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: or you can tell if they're ready to take you to jail at the moment's notice. And it reminds me back into the days of slavery, right, where the overseer could say whatever he wanted to you, and you couldn't say anything back Mm -hmm. for uh, risk of being whipped. It's the same thing, and they're Lori. They're trying to pass a law so that that says it's a misdemeanor to talk back to the police. That is just going backwards that's archaic rules regulations and when people ask me what can i do what you can do is call your senator your commissioner call anyone in that represents your district and ask them what are you doing about this bill that's coming out that's saying that people can't um question the police when they're being stopped if you're stopped by the police you have a right to ask them what are you stopping me for what's the problem officer
0: and look at what happened to that army uh That gentleman from the Army in Virginia who was afraid to get out of the car and look what happened. There's good reason why he was afraid to be – and questioned you know, why he was being stopped. Well, getting back – but getting back to um, Charles McMillian, who you're referring to, that was the 61-year-old black man who broke down and cried. His phrase that just haunts me, he kept saying uh, to George Floyd, you can't win, man. You can't win, man. And in George's, George Floyd's response was, yeah, I can't get up. I can't. I mean –
1: I'm, I'm, And he I'm trying to comply. I'm doing yeah. what they're telling yeah. me to do.
0: So, And so many
1: times, right, the police will come to you in the situation. One police officer is saying, put your hands up. The other officer saying, put your hands behind your back. They're yelling at you. They have guns d- Double messages, drawn, yeah. Right, and you're getting double messages. Come forward lay down, stand up, turn around, all of these things, right? You have a gun on someone. They're going to comply. We don't need to have the brutality on top of it. And to me, I honestly believe that the officers that are, if we cannot get rid of the policing system, officers that are in our communities may not need to have guns on them.
0: Right. Well, to keep the peace, I had another friend that I asked. Well, you know, because she was sharing with me about, well, we just need to, yeah, you know, um, defund the police. I said, well, there's going to be people that feel like, you know, if there's a burglary, they want to be able to call someone. And she looked me dead in the eye and said, I'm just, I'm more afraid. I'm not just as, I'm more afraid of the police coming to my home than I am with a burglar getting into my home. Now. Yeah. sorry
1: in the community in the black communities where i am raised you don't call the cops because every experience that i've ever had in my life of me calling the police i was in trouble they'd get to the scene and instead of asking me, yes, ma'am, why did you call the police? The first thing they want to do is start questioning me and trying to, to back me into a corner so that I could get arrested. Sir, I called you.
0: Blame the victim. So people. Yeah.
1: Yeah. People in the black community, we know better than to call the police. We've solved a lot of our problems and issues in the community on our
0: own. And it comes back to what Charles McMillian, you can't win, man. I mean just but we got to find a way because it's racism hurts everyone it hurts our community it hurts our democracy it it, it hurts our public health um Can i i've be- i've gone over again i always do <laughs> so we <laughs> have worry. to take a, we have to take a break um and but we'll come back and again i want to leave um the number for folks to call in and join our conversation. If you don't want to call join in a conversation, that's OK, too. You know, Melissa and I will continue talking. But we want to open it up. Uh, last couple of weeks, we've had some really good calls. I remember Walt calling in to talk about, you know, the, the the violence in our society and how do we address that. You know, we've had other people that have called in that, that voiced what they wanted to say. And the first step uh, to being anti-racist is talking about it because it's it's something that's hard to talk about, something that folks don't feel like they're prepared to talk about. None of us are prepared to talk about this kind of violence. But we but we we risk making mistakes, we risk uh, not saying it right by having the conversation so that eventually we will get it right. So consider giving us a call. 952-946-6205 and we'll be right back after a few commercials. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. Uh, we're talking about the rough week that we had. I'm uh, Lori Fitz, your host. My co-host and co-producer is Melissa Stanton Adams, who is the president and executive director of the Stanton Adams Diversity Institute. And we're talking about the tough week that we've had. Because we ran over in our last segment, Melissa, what we're going to need to do in this segment, because we basically did segment one and two <laughs> without taking a break. <laughs> so, what I'd like to do in this segment is I want to make sure that we get all the things that we're hoping to talk about um, at least mentioned, uh, promote our phone number, and then we're going to need to go to break again to catch up. So, okay. uh, we're, we want to talk about the trial of Derek Chauvin. Uh, it's going into closing arguments next week and then deliberations what will be the verdict we witnessed Dante Wright getting shot uh, we talked a little bit about that in the the last segment that we did uh, what are folks feelings about that and uh, comments ideas what does this mean what a what do we want to do? Uh, what, what what can we do to stop this craziness? Uh, we saw also the video shooting from March where Adam Toledo, the 13-year-old, got shot in the chest. Um, we're at a choice point in our society. Uh, how do we do police reform? How do we embrace peace and peace officer? Um, what is the power and control? What do we want to talk about? So, Melissa, do you want to add anything else that we want the audience to be thinking about? But then we're going to have to go to break.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. I think you covered it all. Thank you.
0: All right. So our number is 952 946 6205. If you feel compelled to join us, we'd love to have you be part of the conversation. Otherwise, in the next segment, you'll hear us um, conversing about the the topics that that I've listed and maybe a few more. So join us right after these commercials and we'll be back to talk about the week uh, of challenge and what our voices can do to make a difference. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host. And Melissa Stanton-Adams is my co-host and co-producer. She's also the president and executive director of the Stanton-Adams Diversity Institute. What a week, Melissa. It's Tell me about it. overwhelming. Um, and we are opening up the uh, phone lines if you want to chat with us. It's 952-946-6205. So let's start when with the... Know. Oh, go ahead. You go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, uh, people are getting vaccinated. Yeah, and we're we're hoping to be able to come out of this COVID nineteen thing, and that was that's going to put more people on the road, Lori.
0: Yeah, it is going to put more people on the road, and I I'm really hoping that because we've had to take this time out, and we have we have had to pay attention to what's going on, that. Perhaps some change can happen. Perhaps enough people will stand up and say no. I mean, I hope we're at a choice point where we no longer want to accept uh, this is a reality or this is acceptable.
1: And I think we can do a lot of healing together. You You know, the thing that is so serendipitous is that we decided to do the book club, the the, the book, uh, Racial, Racial Healing Handbook. And we decided to do this at the beginning of the year because of what was going on last year. had no idea what was going to happen this year. Mm. But, Laurie, I guess you and I have great foresight.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it it tapped into a reality that had so much complexity, you know, yet at the same point in time, it, it's really, it, in some ways, very simple. How do we talk about it? People don't like talking about racism. It, it, there's, no. there's all kinds of fear. Even though it's the, the, the most horrific challenge our world faces, it's the last thing people want to talk about. And I think.
1: And you know, I think part of it too is, Laurie, we have a double standard in America. In America, we live by these rules. Oh, if you're, if you do something, take responsibility for it and hold hold yourself accountable and do whatever it takes to make up for that. So my example is, if I went into a bank with a gun and said, give me all your money, people would say, we need to hold her
0: responsible. Right. Because that right? was wrong. That and, was wrong.
1: Because that was wrong. Right. And that's, that she needs to do time in order to pay back to society or something, right? Right. Why does that hold true if I rob a bank? But that doesn't hold true if my people have been enslaved mm-hmm. for 400 years, covert racism for another 100 years, uh over racism for another hundred years and then we're moving into covert racism for 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 decades right right so why doesn't anybody have to pay for that why doesn't anyone have to take a responsibility
0: well i think people what happens is i think a lot of white people get squirmy and go well that happened before i was born like so that somehow makes it like it's not their fault so why should we be held accountable the challenge is with conversations like that, where we don't really get into accountability. We don't really figure out how to make the changes. Is that it just goes swept under the rug, and mm-hmm. it just it just sort of lingers there and and gets moldy and awful to deal with. And it's right. it's not until we all can say, okay, yeah, maybe, yeah, whether or not your family at one point owned slaves or not. You probably had some relationship to people who did, so it I happened. Think too. It was wrong. It's
1: different, right? Yeah. I think it's different too. In the sense that, regardless as to whether your people held slaves, your people could have come here on Ellis Island, right? What the, the 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 challenge that I'm having is that you're taking advantage of white middle class systems and white supremacy, right? That. You're sitting in the waiting room waiting for a job interview, and your counterpart is a black man, and you're a white man. You know you got that job, right? There are jobs that never make it to the job boards Mm -hmm. because someone in in the C-suite is holding a position open for someone over at Carlson School of Business waiting for that young man to graduate so he could take this seat.
0: And the one and are, that, that drives me crazy is because they're a good fit. Like, what does the right. good fit mean? You know, how, they,
1: they fit into that culture of white supremacy. Yeah. If you're black and you fit into the culture of white supremacy, you'll get the job. If you're white and you fit into the culture of white supremacy, you'll get the job. But if you come into that situation and your hair is in an afro, you're not abiding by the white supremacy culture rules that say you can't wear afro or braid or um, have your hair in locks when you go to work. It has to be this straight-looking European look. You have to talk as if you were a European. You can't go to a job interview and say, hey, yo, my name is Melissa. Yeah, I've been uh, doing this work for a long. You have to come and say, hello, good afternoon. My name is Melissa Adams. You have to follow white supremacy culture. And some of us benefit from following white supremacy culture while others suffer Mm -hmm. from being under a white supremacy culture.
0: Which gets us to the Derek Chauvin trial. So we, I, I don't know if you saw Saturday Night Saturday Night Live last week, but it, they showed what their satire of uh, like a a television news anchors talking about the the whole trial. And the white anchors were like, "Oh, it's absolutely that. There's no way that they, he could um, not be indicted. The pro- the prosecution did a great job. I mean, what what more could they want? I mean, the, he's going to be prosecuted." And the blank anch- anchors were like, "Yeah, I did a good job, but yeah, jury's out. I don't know." <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Right, we, and Anything. Like, anything's possible. Yeah, you know, we're not going to get it. the white anchors are like, "No, no, no. This is this is horrific," and they're like, "Yeah, we know." <laughs> and it's just but it, it it's that whole um all it takes is one person to object and there's been so many heartbreaks for so long um the deliberations everyone's going to be chewing on their nails i don't think the defense put on a good defense i, I they, they i think that their uh scientists were um, you know lacking compared to the scientists that the prosecution brought but it's hard to know. Yeah, and I, will there be that one person that, you know, gives Chauvin a break?
1: I think there was also a lot of um, – we talked about it in one of our last shows. That defense attorney was very uh, biased.
0: Yeah. So, and, and not in and trying, trying to play him. into the whole he's a big black scary man who took drugs I, and so, you know – And biting. there
1: was a scary – Scary crowd. That scary crowd, that half screaming. of which were children.
0: But yes, real scary <laughs> crowd. I mean, if you can't do your job in front of kids, come on.
1: Right. What about, what about officers that work at the NFL and, and at the stadiums when uh, people are drinking and out of control? Those all, you don't see those officers shooting any of those those nice white boys at football games that are drunk and acting the fool.
0: And speaking of NFL, what about Kaepernick? Kaepernick who put his knee down to, for you know Black Lives Matter compared to Chauvin who put his knee down to kill a black man. I mean, which right. which and which knee is which knee do you choose? Which knee
1: exactly? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, my goodness, Lori, that's so profound, too, because at the end of the day, when Kaepernick was putting his knee down, people um, said horrible things about him and that he didn't love his country. And at the end of the day, now the NFL is saying, oh, yeah, we should have listened to him. Well, you ruined his career. He He couldn't get a job because of that knee thing. And now everyone in the league is taking a knee.
0: Yeah. And, and what, that's, what that resonates with me is sometimes sharing our voice, you pay a price. And are you willing to pay that price? Right. He was. He was. And, and he's gotten support. But he, he took away the love of his life of being able to play football. You know, yeah. What are we willing? What are we willing? Is we
1: want to be on the right side of history.
0: And we want to be you know, humane our choice right now is to be able to step up and, and and check our morals and check our humanity and this is this is a crisis to our democracy this is a crisis to public health this yes, is wrong
1: public health you know St. Paul the city of St. Paul actually uh, put something out recently that said racism is a public health crisis it is. they're recognizing that and i think people the cdc also said that, that racism is a public health issue because it impacts you physiologically.
0: Well, it's, it's it, impacting young black men by being killed. I mean, the statistics yeah. are ridiculous. I mean, violence yeah. is a public health issue. Guns are a public health oh, issue.
1: Oh, boy, don't get me started on my ideas about guns. Well, Sorry. I'm going to
0: have to get you started in our next segment. Because I've, of course, blown through this one, too. So we we need to go to commercial. (laughs) But then when we come back, let's talk about violence in America. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Laurie Fitz, your host, and my co-host and co-producer is Melissa Stanton-Adams, who is the president and executive director of the Stanton-Adams Diversity Institute. What a week, Melissa. Thank you for mm-hmm. being with us today so that we can talk about it. Because the first step yeah. towards fighting yeah. racism is being able to talk about it. So at, at the end of our last segment, you were about to say, don't start me on it. Said, I'm going to start you on it in the fourth segment. So, And there was a,
1: we were talking about guns and violence yes. in the U.S. And, you know, you said what a week, and it has been a week, Lori. We saw the death of Dante uh, right. We saw someone at a FedEx shoot up a FedEx and kill people. We saw a man with mental health issues who was going into the hospital, and they started to search this man, and they found a the gun, and there was a shootout in a hospital, mm. no less. Could you imagine if they would have hit an oxygen tank? Oh my God! With those bullets.
0: Yeah. Then
1: there's the killing of little Adam Toledo. That, oh. and, and I. I don't mean any disrespect to any of our 13-year-old listeners. I'm 49. To me, he was a baby. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I just hear about the violence of people attacking Asians in the streets. And I just think about how can we heal from this collective Violence that we're going through.
0: You know, it reminds so me of in, when Walt called in a couple of weeks ago, and he was like, yeah. "You know, we've got to face the violence in our society. You know, it, it, yeah. We we glorify it. Why do we do right. that?"
1: And we even thought. Remember, we were we had a listener call in, and and, and they said, "Well, if it was a woman who was the officer yeah. in the Derek Chauvin trial, that that probably wouldn't have happened." And, and then the next happened. week, yeah. a woman. Shoots a, a young black male, so it's not about gender. No. It's not about that. It's about teaching people. It's about unconscious bias, and it's about pro- probably going to have to take clearing out our police system and getting rid of the people who are in place and getting new officers
0: and rebuilding. We need to rebuild what it means of what we want in our community. You know do do we want How, how do we create peace. I've, I've always loved the idea of having, you know, peace being central instead of this militaristic law enforcement, which sort of is an us and them. You know, how do we create peace in the community? I, I want to, we only have a couple minutes, but if there are folks that want to call in, um, we still have a couple minutes so you can share your voice with us. It's 952- Melissa, are you still there? Uh, Yep.
1: I was going to say that there's a movement to abolish the police. Yeah. And my daughter is just a a wonderful social activist, and she has taught me a lot because she's in a different generation than I am. Yeah. And she sees it from a different, sees the world from a very different perspective. And I've just been blessed to be able to learn from her. Right. And so so when, when Derek Chauvin killed George Floyd back in May of 2020, my daughter, a very prominent activist in Minnesota said here in Minneapolis, she said, well, moms, we're going to need to abolish the police. And I said, I don't know. I don't know about that, hon. Yeah. I don't know if we can. And and you know what? Today, Lori, I really do believe we need to abolish the police, defund the police, and start from scratch. Well, if not, people. if
0: start not, not start from scratch, because I, I I think it'd be hard to just do a complete. All right, it's they're all gone now, and we're left with nothing. There's got to be a transition, and we have to come together with what is the priority. The priority is, you know having a public safety for all because right now uh-huh. there is not public safety for people of color. No. So, and you know, that what? needs to I, be addressed. I,
1: I believe in human centered design, Laurie, which mm-hmm. means we ask people what they want and we provide it for them, go into the communities, black, Hispanic, Asian, white communities and ask people how they think their communities should be have security and safety. I'm no longer even going to use the word policing because policing comes from the uh, slavery era. When people were enslaved, if they ran away, the police would go and capture them and bring them back. And then the 13th Amendment says no one can be tried as a slave or treated as a slave unless they're being punished for a crime. So what do we do now that slavery is over? Oh. Everyone's a criminal who used to be a slave. Let's try and find a way to get them back into enslavement. And And in these prisons, they are benefiting financially off of the labor of people who are incarcerated. So it is slavery. They have these people building products, and then they sell these products, Lori. And they're paying people a nickel an hour, 15 cents an hour to create these products that the government is selling for thousands of dollars. So if that's not slavery, I don't know what is.
0: And, and it, so it really we're seeing symptoms when we're seeing the police killing folks. The bigger picture, even though it's horrendous to be looking at these deaths and these murders, the bigger picture is how do we address the racism, address the power and control, And reimagine what safety means, because as a democracy, everyone deserves to feel safe. Right. And and we don't have that right now.
1: No. And you know what? When people back back in during the days of slavery, when abolitionists was going around telling people we need to abolish slavery, people said, that's preposterous. How will we ever survive? How will we ever make it without enslaving people? So when we say abolish the police and people say that's preposterous, how will we make it without the police? I believe we can do it. We just need to come to a understanding of how do we create safety? Because when you are shooting a 13-year-old child, now we really, really, really need to look at this, this whole policing system and figure out how do we keep our children safe?
0: Right. And... That child was not safe, and that child, no. <laughs> that, that adult in the situation could have made better choices to keep that child alive. That, there's no reason why that child should be dead. So, and then who I, wh-
1: do you report it to when, right. you, when you're having problems with the police? You report it to the police.
0: Well, I, I, we need to leave the audience with something to think about, and I, I, want, yeah. I want the audience to be thinking about what does it mean to create a safe community and what does it mean to bring peace because we do not have peace. And if we are looking to the future, how do we ask the people what they need? Melissa, right? Quick, what other? I've got ten seconds.
1: <laughs> love yourself and love your neighbor.
0: And what does love your neighbor mean in creating safety and peace? Be thinking about that. We'll be. We'll continue the conversation. We've got a lot more to go. Thank you for joining us today. We appreciate you being here.